We'd like to show a little video clip. Um, it's a, really a pleasure to come here to Tyndale. And uh, before we show the clip, uh, I'd like to bring greetings from the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Japan. And I'd like to bring a very special greeting because you have been there for us in our time of need. And you've raised money and you've prayed and you're sending a team. And so I would like to say very heartfelt, not just from me, but from the church in Japan, Arigato gozaimasu. I think you all know that means thank you. About midsummer, uh, Martin Gent, who's a missionary with OMF, hit upon a great idea to start a mobile cafe. And he, and he went around to each of these locations, and they just set up a few tables, some umbrellas, uh, and um, start serving coffee and tea and making uh, some snacks, and people would come out and, and begin to talk. It's different than what you would expect. You're not, like, cleaning up or seeing a lot of the disaster. But what you are seeing are a lot of people who are very lonely. So when you invite them to the mobile cafe, they can come and talk to their neighbors. They can talk right. to you. And some people even just like inviting you into their house just to talk. We even have had distant family members meet at the mobile cafe and say, wow, this is so great that I finally found you here. Another location near Nasu, um, they're serving hot soup and a hot meal. Is, is a wonderful thing. But a hot meal with warm companionship is a powerful thing. A lot of it is just um, being there. Right. And that, even though it's so simple, at the same time you can tell when you're just sitting with people how much it means to them. They're, they're really touched because they, they're, they're reminded of the fact that they're not alone and that the rest of the world cares enough just for these people to come. It really does make an impact, you know, that people from around the world care enough to come like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we started to crash Japan back about six years ago. And the idea uh, behind it was that we would help the church in Japan to start to get involved in their communities. And uh, typically in Japan, every year we get a couple of disasters. Uh, Japan has uh, a number of actually disasters that we get in the Japanese language. So you have tsunami, right, that comes from Japan. Um, we also have typhoon, which my, my brother reminded me is Chinese. Uh, and then earthquakes, we have volcanoes, and then every year Godzilla comes through and trashes Tokyo. Um, but with enough of disasters around, um, we thought this would be a wonderful opportunity for the churches to get involved in their communities. Typically in Japan, the churches have been very, very small. They're like little enclaves, and they try not to be noticed. They don't want to uh, draw any more attention than they have to. And so... Uh, the churches are very, very small, very, very insular. And we want to get them out in their communities so that they can share the love of Christ. 
Uh, and so we started Crash, and this is a terrible name for a disaster relief organization, don't you think? And everybody's come and they've said, uh, man, you need to change the name. You need to change the name. Uh, it stands for Christian Relief, Assistance, Support, and Hope. And these green vests up here, this is, this is the strangest um, video kind of layout I've ever seen in a chapel, by the way. Um, I can't, I have to crane my neck. I, I should just look down here. But these, these green vests, um, we've sent out our volunteers. And so far we've sent about 2,000 individual volunteers uh, out into the tsunami region to minister to people. And we started in the very early days of the quake. We were up and running within 48 hours. Uh, and we partnered together with uh, a group called JEMA, Japanese Evangelical Missionary Association, and the JEA, which is the uh, Association of Churches there in Japan. And so we worked together with groups like OMF, and uh, we mentioned Martin Gent in that video, who was one of our partners up there and, and is also partners with you guys. And we were able to move quickly to get uh, into these various communities that were hit by the tsunami. And then, of course, other volunteers started to come. The government started to come. The military started to come, uh, and, and yet those groups only lasted for a short time. And we've been there now for almost one year. And the people look at the Christian volunteers and they say, why are you still here? Everybody else is gone, but we're so thankful that you are here. One gentleman uh, who came and attended uh, these uh, mobile cafes uh, he was an elderly man, and he came in and he said, I know that you're not here just to give me tea and cookies. Give me what you've got. And he wanted to hear the gospel. Now, this is very strange for us missionaries in Japan. We're used to spending years to build up a relationship, enough and trust, so that someone would listen to what we have. And... Because of the tsunami, we're finding that people within minutes are opening up their hearts and they're pouring out all of this pain and all of the loneliness and all of the grief that they have. And the Christians are the ones that will listen to them, that will sit with them, and will come back again and again. Let me see if this works. There we go. Um, I'd like to tell you about two trees. This is a, uh, a tree that is along the coast of uh, Iwate in a place called Dikuzen Takata. Dikuzen Takata was completely wiped out uh, by the tsunami. And this tree is one tree out of about 80,000 trees that were planted along the coastline of Dikuzen Takata. 80,000 trees. This one tree survived. They planted those 80,000 trees to serve as a break to stop a tsunami. It didn't work. This one tree survived, and people look at this tree and they say, wow, this tree survived. Kambapish. Which means, it survived. It really put in a great effort. Right? This tree, wow. And what they're really saying is, I'm like this tree. I survived. I lived. Against all odds, I made it. And this tree brings them hope. 
They look at this tree and they think, wow, if that tree can make it, I can make it. And this is what Japanese people do because, you see, their hope comes from nature. They look at a tree or they look at a mountain and they say, wow, this is majestic. Or, wow, look how it fights to survive. And yet our hope is something very different. You see, we look to the mountains from whence our help comes, but we don't just stop there, do we? It goes on. We look to the creator of heaven and earth, the Lord. See, the Lord who created the mountain, that's where our hope lies. But for Japanese people, it stops at the mountain. Instead of drawing their eyes up to the creator, they stop right there and they begin to worship the mountain. They begin to worship the tree. And so this tree brought them hope. However, there's a problem. You see, the salt water came in and it rotted away the roots of this tree. And so even though they've been trying desperately to save this tree, in fact, its situation is untenable. It won't survive. And unfortunately, that's exactly the situation that the people find themselves in as well. Because you see, once the thrill of, I made it, once that adrenaline of, I survived, is gone, then they look around and they see that their entire town is gone. Their community has been washed away. They've lost friends. They've lost loved ones. They've lost jobs. And they never know when they'll be able to go back. It will take years and years to find out just where they can build again. It'll take a lot of money. And they've lost everything. And so as we headed into the fall, after the summer, the summer we had all kinds of volunteers and many people from around Japan were helping and there was lots of activity. But then as we headed into the fall and the winter, and we're right in the middle of that winter right now, got colder and the volunteers stopped coming and people went from living in evacuation centers to living in temporary housing units. Now uh, you saw some of those temporary housing units. They're very, very small little apartment buildings. They have little or no insulation and the big advantage that they have over the evacuation centers is privacy. In, in the evacuation centers you're squished you know, right next to another family and another family and another family. But in the evacuation centers, they had community. They were all in this together. And so in the morning when you woke up, you, you looked over at the person next to you and you said, Ohayou gozaimasu. And they said, Ohayou gozaimasu. And you can guess what that means. Good morning. And then before you went to bed at night, you said, Oyasumi nasai. Good night. And, and all that really means is that somebody cares that you woke up. And somebody cares that you'll have a good night's sleep. But see, now they're in these small apartments and they've gained privacy, but they've lost community. Now they stay underneath their blankets and they watch TV. And they're all alone. And they start to think, what's to become of me? 
What's going to happen in my life? Is there any reason to keep going? Does anybody care whether I wake up this morning or if I have a good night's sleep? And so, how do we give these people hope? Well, I want to show you another tree. This also was a community that was washed away by the tsunami. The entire community was taken down to the foundations of the houses. The only thing that survived was this tree. And you all know what this tree is. This is the tree that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave His life for us upon. And I tell them, this tree has deeper roots. It has deeper roots. This tree, you see, has roots to eternal life. This tree has hope beyond our situation, beyond what has happened to us, beyond the suffering. This tree has real hope. Now, how do you send hope to people who've lost everything? How do you give them this hope? Can you put it on a truck? Can you ship it in a box? And we've shipped all kinds of food and water and blankets, and we've brought in container loads of supplies and distributed these supplies all throughout Tohoku. And yet, hope is something that is very difficult to put on a truck. It comes in a very different package, doesn't it? What package does hope come in? What comes in this package? A person who has the hope of Jesus Christ in their heart. And so our strategy has been to send volunteers. As we send these Christian volunteers up into Tohoku, they, whether they're handing out supplies or they're doing a mobile cafe or they're uh, sitting with people and listening to their stories, they're taking care of children, whatever it might be, that hope that's within them starts to be spread. We uh, have heard over and over again this testimony. I was uh, listening to this testimony again from a team that went actually from my church. And uh, this team happened to be mostly English speakers, and they had one Japanese person on the team who was translating for them. And they went up to uh, up into Iwate, and they uh, were handing out blankets uh, to these people in the temporary housing units. And um, the young man who gave the testimony was an, uh, an Air Force uh, person. And uh, he said, I didn't know that uh, when this old woman invited us in for coffee, that coffee in Japanese means four-course meal. And so they went into this old woman's uh, you know, apartment there that she was sharing with her, her children and her grandchildren, and they, they started to listen to her story. And she served them lots of food. And, and she told them more and more of her story. And she said that um, she had just, they had just reformed their house. In Japan, uh, about 30 years in, uh, you rebuild your house on the same land. And so they'd spent uh, their money rebuilding this home. And then the tsunami came and washed it away. And it also washed away her husband. And she shared with them that every day she thought about suicide. And yet the volunteers 
kept coming. And that was her reason to live. Because the volunteers kept coming. And I hear stories like that. And I'm like, wow, we got to keep coming. And I hear that story over and over again. The statistics tell us that in the year after the tsunami, the suicide rate will skyrocket. And so our purpose for being there has been to save lives. Not just to bring hope, but also to save lives, to keep people from committing suicide. Our purpose has been to be there with them, to go through this with them. Last month, I received wonderful, encouraging news. In Japan, every year, the suicide rate is over 30,000 people a year. It's a very high rate to begin with. Last month, we received news from the government that the suicide rate in Japan dropped last year. We were hoping that it wouldn't rise, maybe that we'd make a little difference and it wouldn't rise as high as it might go. But instead, what we found was that in Tohoku, the region that was hit by the tsunami, the suicide rate actually dropped. And the only reason that I can think of is because we have had Christian volunteers in every single one of those towns that have been hit by the tsunami all year long. They keep coming back again and again, and it makes a difference. I want to give you a little history lesson, and somebody tell me what time I need to stop. Nobody's going to say anything, so I just keep going, right? Another five minutes? Okay. Um, in Japan, there have been four times when the country has been open to the gospel. Back, and I'm not going to give you the dates. You guys are seminary students. You can look it up. But the first time was uh, back when the Catholics came in. And Francis Xavier brought Christianity to Japan for the first time. At that time, millions of Japanese received Christ. It was spreading through Japan, but it also was linked with political power. It was linked with getting uh, help from the West. And so when Tokugawa Ieyasu united the country and defeated all of the other warlords, he brutally persecuted the Christians as a threat to his power. And there were a few million Christians that were killed at that time. It went underground. And for about 200 years, it was illegal to be a Christian. <clears throat> then when the, uh, the black ships came uh, in the late 19th century, they opened up Japan again. And at that time, the Japanese were very open to Western ideas. And so they, they sought after technology, after education, uh, after uh, medicine, after anything that would modernize the country. And so the missionaries came in, and again, they were quite open to the gospel. And then, after a, just a few short years, it closed again. And there was the wartime. And things turned very abruptly towards uh, Shintoism and worship of the emperor. And then, after the end of the war, once again, there was a time of openness because they 
had been defeated. And they thought, well, the Americans must have something that we don't have. The missionaries came in once again. And yet, instead of the Japanese accepting the gospel and making it their own, what they really accepted was our materialism. They learned how to make money, and they got really, really good at it. And pretty soon, they really needed nothing from us. When I got there 23 years ago, it was the height of the bubble economy, and uh, I literally had nothing to offer them. They were better educated than me. They had more technology than me. They definitely had more money than me. I was a poor missionary. What do I have to offer these people? I could teach them English. I wasn't much. Really, the only thing that I had to offer them was the gospel. That's it. And they really weren't interested. Well, I say four times Japan has been open to the gospel. I've told you about three. And today, we're in the fourth time. You see, what has happened is everything that they had gained has been stripped away. And yet, very quickly, very rapidly, they've gotten medicine, they've gotten food and shelter and blankets and and really those material things that you need as a human being to live, they're quite good at providing that. But what they're at a very big loss for right now is how do we give these people hope? And we have the answer. You see, we have this tree where Jesus Christ came as a man, where God the creator of heaven and earth came as a man to suffer and die for us. And so as Christians, as we come and suffer, as we come and join them in the midst of what they're going through, we can bring them hope. This time, not with politics, not with power, not with economical gain, not with education or medicine. Nothing else. Just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I believe that now is our time to finally reach Japan. We have a third disaster that occurred. You know about the earthquake and you know about the tsunami and you've heard, of course, about the nuclear reactor. There's a whole prefecture of Fukushima that right now is neglected. Even volunteers don't want to go there because they're afraid. I believe as Christians, how we treat Fukushima will be a huge witness of the love of God for Japan. I know that you guys are sending a team And I'd like to pray for that team. And also I'd like to ask that you continue to pray. Don't forget. It's been one year. We have a long way to go. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time to share at Tyndale. And Lord, we thank you for the team that's going in May. Lord, we ask that you would go before that team and prepare hearts to receive the hope 
that they're bringing. Lord, I pray that each person on the team, that their hearts would be filled with the hope of Jesus Christ, even to overflowing. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here at this university, at this seminary. And Lord, we ask that you would fill hearts here with a desire to see your word, your name, glorified over the entire earth. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much.